we got into the pool at like 10 o'clock at night. I set up a strobe light off to the side of the pool. I had that flash set up and then he was in the water and I was sitting on the diving board looking down at the water and I just started to take pictures. And I remember that first two and a half hour, two hour shoot, we just kept extending and making it longer. I was getting giddy. I had never realized that this was something that was kind of in my grasp. So that was a start. And then I, I talking with him after it, talking about what he felt and then looking at the photos, that really set off my, my senior thesis. Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 257th episode, I'm excited to be joined by Ian Anderson, who spoke with me from Monterey, California, all about his photography work. It explores a variety of themes, especially nature, water, and of course, a variety of subjects. Lots of landscapes of the Pacific Northwest, Vermont, the Midwest where he went to school and earned his BFA degree. We talk especially about his BFA thesis exhibition from Ohio Wesleyan University in 2020. And of course, the ways that he builds up narratives and includes ideas of storytelling as he interacts with these subjects. And we talk all about that super interesting interview coming up so stay tuned for that be sure to check out his website the ianshow.wordpress.com and you can find him on instagram at the champion so make sure that you do that we've got links on studiobreak.com ian's work was selected by tim kowalczyk for our 2020 student competition so we're very excited to feature ian's work on this podcast I do want to note that our 2021 student competition is coming to a close May 15th. It's open to all currently enrolled and recently graduated in 2020 graduate and undergraduate visual art students. Again, it's open to all visual art media, including 2D, 3D, 4D, so definitely check that out. You can go to studiobreak.com, look for the student competition page, and it's super easy. You submit a small fee, you Send an email with your website portfolio and or Instagram handle. Identify which category you're in and you are done. Our juror this year is the director and curator at James May Gallery, Kendra Balgren. We're super excited to have her participation and she'll be selecting five undergraduate and five graduate visual artists to appear on an upcoming episode. If you enjoy this podcast, I do have a special request. If you could go to social media, again, that could be Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, wherever you go, and share that recent post of our student competition image that has all the information. And of course, if you know any other peers or artists or students that should apply to this competition, please help share this opportunity. The student competition is definitely a highlight of the year for me. I always enjoy sharing the work of young artists, emerging artists, giving them a platform to share their work and talk all about it. So once again, please help spread the word. Deadline for entries is May 15th. I don't want to forget any new listeners should check out studiobreak.com. We've got a bunch of archived episodes there, each of which have images of the artist's artwork as well as links to their websites. You can listen to the interview right there on studiobreak.com or you can subscribe to the podcast, which is always good. You've always got something to listen to while you're working late at night. You can find Studio Break on Facebook, so please like our page there. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break. And of course, be sure to follow on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. And with those quick announcements out of the way, let's dive right into this episode with Ian Anderson. Stay tuned. Welcome to Studio Break. Ian Anderson, how are you doing this afternoon? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Thank you, David, for having me. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. You know, it's so great to have artists come on and share their work. You were one of our applicants in the 2020 student competition selected by Tim Kowalczyk, who's an amazing ceramic artist. And so we're just super excited to have you on and feature your work. So thanks so much for applying. Um, I will kind of start off by just reminding everybody uh, they can find you on Instagram at, so people can find you at the champion. And then also your website is ianshow.wordpress.com. And again, there's tons of portfolios of all your work there. I always love to learn about backgrounds. So where, where are you from originally? I believe I thought you were in Ohio studying and then I was mistaken. So where are you at right now? And then maybe, you know, talk a little about where you grew up. So I was born in Florida, but only lived there for about two and a half years or so. And, you know, cause of my dad's work, we moved a couple of times. So we moved up to Vermont and, you know, some of this actually might sound familiar. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> I realized my uh, brother, Benjamin Anderson, was on this, I think, maybe two years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. 
uh, you might have some uh, deja vu. Okay. <laughs> with uh, yeah, some of the geographical locations. So growing up in Vermont, that was great. We lived there for about six or seven years, and then when I was around nine, we moved out to Monterey, California, and that was only going to be a one-year temporary kind of stay, but ended up kind of. Uh, extending extending and then before you know it it's almost 15 years later and you know still here so that's been great but growing up in vermont laid more of the groundwork because it was a very very tactile experience um, especially being outside in the summer you know you're outside you're you know running in our backyard there's a stream in the woods out back so you there's tons of fishing there's a lot of freedom kind of to to roam and kind of experience with, you know, a garden, with trees, with climbing. So it was just kind of a, a blast as a as a little kid. I remember a lot of my childhood just really had to do with my mom being an artist. Mm-hmm. She was trained as a printmaker and has done printmaking for, for years and has branched off and does oil painting and graphite and charcoal and is very, very accomplished. But I remember growing up, that that was always something that was incorporated to kind of our life and to every day was all right hey if you kind of got some time let's let's sit down let's do a drawing let's kind of keep you uh keep you learning keep you you know kind of focused and so it was really just beneficial and it was in the in the moment i didn't really notice the 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 benefits to it i was just kind of okay yeah this is this is fun this is i'll, I'll do this and i was i wasn't overly talented i wasn't Mm -hmm. i wouldn't call myself a gifted young (laughs) artist i would always try to incorporate a little bit more humor into pieces kind of if i messed up i'd be like oh well yeah i messed up here and i messed up there on purpose and now it's a funny looking face and Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind of kind of interesting like that but she definitely laid the foundation because we would always go to art museums to galleries and you know we were we were homeschooled and so it was really really great because you know, our field trips were to, you know, science museums and, you know, kind of the normal gig, but also to really cool art galleries. And she worked at the Two Rivers print studio in New Hampshire. And so I remember going to shows there many times. And that was always really cool because I got to kind of explore the building, but also I was just in an environment that really kind of cultivated art and spoke the language of art. So as I grew older, that kind of became more and more pertinent. It created more of a mesh with kind of how I interacted with the world. I never really dived too far into art just because I thought it was not necessarily like the end all say all, but just a really cool kind of aspect of of growing up. Mm -hmm. And moving to California, my perspective changed a bit. I got, you know, totally wrapped up in the coast here and getting the ocean every day that I could, you know, sports with swimming. So it was great moving here for me because I just fell in love just instantly. That was kind of like the the genesis of, you know, little Ian was me being able to just have these opportunities to go and look at this really fantastic art, but also be in an environment where it was kind of more cultivated and kind of left up to me to decide, which I'm very, very thankful for. Yeah, I would imagine that just gives you kind of a nice framework for life, you know, just being able to check out art and to take in all these experiences and kind of live your life. But it sounds like, again, that wasn't the primary focus. So so how did that change? And I guess were there other opportunities that came up? It definitely was kind of a constant, but it was mainly kind of just little 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 spurts of you know printmaking or my mom wanted to try this new thing so like hey Ian I want you to kind of do this with me to get a hang of it and really like growing up it was my brother that was so just head over heels involved with drawing with painting he was doing things that just weren't necessarily normal a kid to do with art and so that was kind of like, okay, well, he's he's taking care of that field. I can go do something else because <laughs> obviously I don't want to like try to you know run up against him in a drawing contest or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And you know he was also five years older, so there was obviously you know that level of a kind of growth as well. I was I continued to be homeschooled throughout junior high. Uh, when I got to high school, I went to the local community college here and took classes. Mm-hmm. But my mom, when she moved out here, would do actually teach a lot of workshops to kind of kids my age and, like, you know, like 
like some of my friends or people that kind of knew she would teach, you know, oh, hey, here's a week or two week long kind of art workshop that will go through like monotypes, you know, or hey, we'll do uh, linoleum carvings. So I would usually kind of be included in those just because she's like, Ian, this is a kind of, <laughs> why wouldn't you? <laughs> right. <laughs> um, you get to kind of hang out with some of your friends and also be in an environment where you're learning your, there's such a sensory, I think, process that goes on with art. I did that and I loved it, but it wasn't until I was, I think, 15 when I actually picked up a solid camera mm-hmm. and the camera was only purchased so we could take high quality photos of art in the house that my brother and my mom were were making mm-hmm. but i kind of commandeered it and i just remember being so fascinated by kind of this idea of transferring objects in the world objects kind of in reality and transferring through the lens and seeing what they would kind of come up like and it really just started to grow this whole lexicon in my mind because you know i would look at just household objects and kind of look at the light and see okay wait so this is this is what happens when i see it this is what happens when the camera sees it what happens when they're the same thing what happens when they're different and so it was just all trial and error at first but something that i was just so so i think just predisposed to do i was also a bit more i think open to it because it was something that my family wasn't really familiar with so i was like okay it's not picking up pencils it's not picking up graphite it's not you know playing with with paint right now i can kind of do this off off my own and not really be a kind of too vocal about it the thing that's so fascinating to me about photography is again that idea that you just described you know you've got a lens that's observing something and we're playing around with that idea there's so many ways that we can take that and manipulate it but just the idea that you're aware of it is something that's very interesting to me it reminds me in some ways of like teaching measure drawing to students because you know you can see something but you're going to change the approach of how you're drawing it to become more aware of it. And I think that the camera operates the same way as I was kind of describing you earlier, just that manual focus ring uh, for me on, (laughs) you know, my camera is something that I'll, that I'll mess around with now and very similar to the way that I grew up. So it's interesting to hear you talk about that, especially, you know, as we were talking about right now, it's just such a digital age, you know, where very literally everybody has a, supercomputer in their pocket that also can play music and, and record videos that are, aren't bad, you know? So I'm curious, you know, to think about like those, those earlier experiences and, and things that you've been kind of talking about, I would imagine that like, uh, the natural world or, you know, landscapes or nature essentially is the, the subject that you, that you kind of got interested in, or was it something totally different when you'd started at, at, you know, 15 to get interested in photography? It was kind of everything. Cause I, I was so, I think unexposed to just the formal education in photography that I didn't even realize all the things that you could photograph. It went wherever it, it led me. And my family was able to take a trip to Europe when I was eight and it was for my dad's business trip and my mom was kind of realized this is a once in a lifetime opportunity where as a young family we can go together. Mm-hmm. So we were able to go and um, stay at hostels or, you know, friends' houses that moved overseas. And I remember I I definitely had like the digital camera or the video camera to record the trip. And so I thought that was really cool, mainly because it was a shiny gadget. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. So from there, I was like, yeah, you can take pictures of everything. And then, you know, I dropped it and I didn't really pick up the camera or really think about it too much until, you know, I was 15. And that's when I started to hold it again. But from age of nine onwards, being in the Central Coast area, you know, that that was huge because you're in this environment, you're in this setting that just objectively is so beautiful and I'm just, I realize how lucky I am to be here and how kind of special the kind of this upbringing was. Mm-hmm. But you're in this environment and this stage, you could say, where you have, you know, the Big Sur coastline directly to the south. And then you have, you know, you could say like the rolling hills of California, you know, just inland. And they're so you almost could say over photographed as well, just this coast Mm -hmm. because it's that, I think that impressive and that monumental of, of a basically has a character to it. Mm -hmm. And that's what I didn't really take pictures of at first because I was just always kind of in it or around it. And 
I realize kind of how that sounds as well, <laughs> but that, you know, set some groundwork because I was watching, I was observing, you know, from a young age being in Vermont and then moving here. A lot of kind of what I did outside was, you know, you're active and you're running around a lot, but you're also observing and you're listening and you're slowing down and you want to sit and wait and you want to be kind of still. I had a huge epiphany in my undergrad about that specifically and about why I kind of photograph the way I photograph. Water has just been a constant, mm-hmm. a constant, you know, stream, no pun intended, <laughs> in my work because I've been in water basically before I could walk. Mm-hmm. You know, we had a pool in Florida and so I was taught to swim before I could walk because, you know, drowning I think for a while was the number one cause of you know, child deaths in Florida. And so my parents were like, we're going to be around water. We need to have, you know, these, these measures in place. So from that growing up to jumping in rivers and streams and lakes in Vermont to going to the ocean in California was really informative because it taught me a lot. And being on the swim team taught me a lot, a lot about discipline. I was engaged in a lot of different kind of scenes where water was at play. Mm -hmm. And when I picked up that camera at 15, I was like, why wouldn't I kind of take photos of water? That's kind of interesting, The how light interacts with it, how the surface tension works, how, you know, the viscosity of it as well. And it really, it really fascinated me when no picture of water that I took ever was the same because I was, you know, trying to do just experimenting with the camera as a tool itself to take a picture at the fastest possible shutter speed to you know, the slowest didn't really work, work out well at first because I didn't really know what I was doing. But mm-hmm. that definitely lent itself towards me kind of developing more later in high school. Yeah, yeah. And I'm curious then, like, was there a specific instance where you're like, I got to go to Ohio and study photography? Because um, <laughs> it seems like a big, big shift there. <laughs> yeah. And that was, that was, that was funny enough. That was the most commonly asked questions when I got into my undergrad did you get lost yeah did you get lost why why are you here no i actually even though i enjoyed photography so much i was never sure i was gonna study it and pursue it in college really until my my senior year and even up until then i was still debating if i wanted to do that or say english or history or kind of something in the humanities i had taken a intro level class of photography at the community college when i think i was a sophomore here in high school and that was kind of have to definitely learn more about the mechanics of a camera and kind of invest myself in that way, but also, you know, to see more about what this world could could be and see that potential. So a big part of me um, pursuing it in college was I joined a youth art studio here in Monterey that's called Youth Arts Collective or Yak, which, you know, we're, <laughs> we're all very proud of, uh, you know, being a yakster. But that was great because that was just an environment that really wanted to take young adults or teenagers like in and put them in in a scene and environment where they were allowed to make art and encouraged to make art. And, you know, you were it was three shows a year and, you know, all very, you know, to a to a certain standard informal because they want to really teach and just kind of create this really great atmosphere. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it was great lessons that I took in because I was like, oh, okay, I, this is, you know, how you frame a piece or this is what a hang day can look like. And it was just a great experience for me. And the mentors there were just people that I, I, I still am in contact with uh, every so often. And they were, they were definitely, definitely a, a key part in me deciding to pursue it further. And I really just started looking around. I was like, okay, I can't box myself into one area. I need to kind of go where there's a good art department. And, you know, I went to the same college that my brother attended as well. And going into that college process, that search process, I was, you know, my opinion was I will never, ever go to the same college that my brother went to. <laughs> like, absolutely not. <laughs> but then I visited a couple times, you know, to see him with my family or like to see one of his shows and then also for graduation. And then I actually like started to, you know, meet some of the professors and I definitely wanted to swim in college as well. So I would meet the coaches and that kind of hung in my back mind. 
and you know throughout college process I was definitely therefore you know senior high school kind of being set on okay I'm gonna most likely study photography whether it's a BFA or a BA I'm not sure Mm -hmm. but you know evaluating the art departments was such a key part on any school that I looked at and visited and so the more I got familiar with Ohio Wesleyan University which was the school I attended the more their department kind of blew me out of the water and it was really just kind of like the best uh, all-around deal for me as well as a student because there was the swim team and the coach that I really, really liked and I had a great relationship with. And then there was also just this immaculate, um, as a high schooler, definitely uh, art department. And you know, even being a year out from graduating, I look back and that was just in, in proportion, like for the size of the art department to the size of the school, there was definitely a mismatch because the school was under 2,000 students, but then the art department was just had a huge facility. Mm-hmm. The faculty and the staff there were able to use it and implement it in a, way, in a way that it was so special and so just fortuitous. And as students, we were just so lucky to have these opportunities and the tools and the facilities. And I remember, yeah, in the visit there being floored by the photography department and the dark rooms and the computer labs and everything. And then visiting another school and being very, very confused when I would walk in and <laughs> and be like, oh, wait, th- this is it. And so it kind of tainted all the other schools that I went to. There's a point where I realized you were from California and then studying in Ohio. And I'm like, I think there was an artist that did that. And I kind of start thinking about that aspect of it. And then you, you know, mention your brother and I'm like, oh, right, of course. So that was just kind of pretty amazing kind of like how, how that turned out. But oddly enough, I have a very similar story in that, like, I went to Illinois State University and it's an amazing program. And it's literally like one of the only places that I visited because my brother went there and I'm like, Again, it's just kind of like sometimes brothers, I guess, take that first step and you want to kind of move on from that. But, <laughs> you know, it's like, how did I wind yeah. up going to the same place? But um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's so interesting when you do find that place that you kind of feel really connected to. And I would imagine, you know, thinking back to some of your other experiences, you know, you talked about going to museums and seeing art shows when you were younger. Was that something that really changed dramatically, too, that you were around? you know, real photography professors and I'm sure taking, you know, art history, thinking about photography in mind because you probably were exposed to so many things that maybe you hadn't previously been privy to. Yeah. Going in, I knew I definitely wanted to study photography and Mm -hmm. I was definitely predisposed for that. So much of the fact that I was always very kind of disenchanted with other classes that I would have to take or kind of think that I would have to take and kind of with this idea and yeah, kind of as I said before, it was in college where I really realized kind of all that influence and all that groundwork that was laid when I was younger with being kind of exposed to this world and, you know, seeing different things. But what was so special about that education, Ohio Wesleyan, was that, you know, I was there for photography. You know, growing up, my, you know, my mom wasn't a photographer, and, you know, that type of, I would say, avenue or medium in the art world wasn't really wasn't really discussed too much just because there wasn't super close knit familiarity with it. Mm-hmm. So then I would learn more about it later on in high school on my own and be really kind of invested in certain photographers. But it was really going to college that I got to dive in deep. And it was great because my advisor was the photography professor and he was a great mentor throughout my four years there, uh, Jeff Nyland. And he is incredibly well informed about just the history of photo Mm -hmm. in general and that was a large part of the photo classes was kind of its own little segment of our history where we'd go into like the kind of our little conference or like slide room and you know for an hour we'd go over okay hey like we're going to talk about this you know kind of formal kind of aspect in photography this week or we're going to talk about you know, this type of project with this emphasis, here are 30 photographers that have done that throughout history. Mm-hmm. And that was just incredible. There was such a saturation with art history within uh, photography specifically, and also with the history of photo and how it's evolved with, you know, the first type of daguerreotype down to how it evolved into the, the silver emulsion to, you know, the DSLRs and the now the mirrorless cameras. So mm-hmm. it was really, really 
really informative and I'm so thankful and appreciative of that just every day because I could think of, wow, that, that really was like all encompassing. Yeah. It was definitely in, in calls that I learned that I was a perfectionist and more <laughs> detailed oriented with my work because, you know, you do the foundation courses, which, you know, a couple of them are termed as, you know, boot camp mm-hmm. classes just because you're grinding through just cramming out compositions and work. And it was great. You know, it was a great time to learn about self-discipline and time management. Well, and you kind of described, you know, some of those earlier instances and especially kind of you were talking about earlier subjects, you know, obviously the the coast and, and kind of how beautiful it is and amazing it is. I'm curious then, you know, as you're starting this, you're learning all these technical things about photography. Did you start kind of allowing that to kind of change, you know, what you were interested in photographing or was it still very experimental then? Last two years of high school, I was definitely more familiar with, you know, photography in general. I was doing, you know, some commercial work and professional work and then also being able to have uh, at least one very small kind of solo show. So I was definitely more, more aware, more cognizant of kind of myself as an artist and myself more specifically as a photographer, but that's kind of how I viewed me, you know, in a single scope was Ian, the photographer. And so going to the central Ohio area for four years for undergrad was definitely challenging at first and went through ups and downs, but it was great because I got to totally go away from what I had done before. And I got to be like, okay, I'm in a new environment and a new setting I need to branch out and I need to grow because if I just take photos of the same thing, that's going to just, there's going to be a loop that that's going to occur. So I really went into more street photography because the stuff that I had done before I, I had loved. And there were certain photographers like Vivian Meyer, who I saw her documentary that came out in high school, which is fantastic. So that was a big impact. I realized I really like portraits. And so I I spent a lot of energy and a lot of time focusing on portrait work and portraiture and things that were, you know, going to a place that is just so void of that type of landscape and that type of landscape that I grew up in and kind of, I felt like had an intrinsic part take hold of me, kind of getting away from that, even though it was really hard, was incredibly fruitful in the long term. So one of the things that occurs to me as I'm talking to you and reflecting on my own uh, experiences, you know, kind of getting invested in art and, you know, it's so immersive when you kind of find that stride, right? There's so many types of works that you make during that experience where there are a lot of things leading up to your your thesis exhibition and just kind of maybe some things that you might want to highlight from those experiences. You know, coming in, I was already putting myself in, in that circle of photography and I just remember feeling intense uh, feelings of fear and trepidation before I took any studio class outside of that. So mm-hmm. drawing, metalworking, ceramics, bookmaking. I left I left painting for my senior year because I was just kind of so – I just tried to distance myself from it because I was, one part, not too excited about branching out of photography and also another part just very – I was very uh, insecure about my skills. But I found so much freedom and growth that was just, I think, one of the coolest aspects of kind of my education was that I, I really kind of got to witness and learn how everything connected and everything, every media that I worked with, every medium that I worked with informed the other. And it really helped hone out my method and my traits with photography, you know, which definitely a huge part of my photography centers around on detail, you know, with texture for say, or also this aspect of sensitivity. And I remember you know, going through kind of this tract of, all right, I took a bunch of photos of water that were kind of really my my main kind of avenue, my main focus when I was in high school before I got here. And then freshman year, my first, my first photo class, our last big assignment really set up my senior thesis or our senior show because it was a series of portraits of my teammates on the swim team. And it was fantastic because I had never had, I had never done something, created a piece of work that was so intentional as that up until that moment. Mm-hmm. For we were first talking about the assignment, it was it had like a month and a half or two month like deadline, 
and that just kind of took me back because I wasn't <laughs> I was never really trained in a in a more of a, a formal education in the arts. So I was like, wait, we have two months to do this. This is incredible. Right. <laughs> like, am I going to get this done in a, like two weeks? That's that that wasn't the case. It took me the full like you know two months with drafts and redos, and that was such a great learning experience. The assignment was we had to do a series of twelve photographs of our social landscape, and that that varied from student to student. And, you know, some people focused on their social landscape as being kind of larger picture of, hey, I remember one one peer of mine, she did this great series on kind of consumerism, the consumerism of sugar and, you know, mass consumption. And so she did these really in- intense macro images of candy and fast food. I kind of thought about it for a bit and I had just done presentation on I had just done a presentation on fashion photography for that class which wasn't my choice. I I pulled it out of a out of a hat that prompt. Mm-hmm. But through that, you know, that was the first time for me learning about Richard Avedon who was an absolute giant and I got so 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 intrigued with how he was able to capture people and all through that class, I was learning about figures like Paul Strand, you know, Edward Weston. We were talking about Edward Steichen as well. And these portrait photographers like Renica Dykstra. And they just were able to frame their their subject, the, the people, in such unique ways, in such ways that really just packed an emotional punch for me. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, wow, I want to create something that, that's going to strike someone as much as these photos can strike me. Like these are these are powerful. These have a they have a physicality, they have a weight to them. So I had done this project on Richard Avedon, and I learned a little bit about his process and especially his series um, on in the American West. I thought maybe I kind of have a vision for something that I could do with some portraits. And so I kind of talked to 12 of my teammates that I was pretty close to and that I knew pretty well throughout the season. And I had them come into the studio and I had gray backdrop behind them and then the lights set up. And I would start to kind of talk to them a bit more and kind of give them prompts to think about and kind of take pictures mid-conversation. Or I would say, hey, if you don't want to talk to them, that's fine. Just think about it. Mm-hmm. And kind of take these pictures where it was almost a little bit unsettling, you know, some of the things that you know we would kind of bring up and kind of conversate about, and also very personal. And it was on a level I was only able to do that because I was familiar with them. And I was because I was kind of in a spot where there was a lot of trust and there was a lot of growth as a friendship. Mm-hmm. You know, we can talk about like homesickness, about you know struggles with mental health, anxiety, uh, significant others, you know, relationships. And so I'd get kind of these very contemplative sometimes uneasy depending on you know the the photo is a you know a hundredth of a second you know a two hundredth of a second so you're getting these fractions of expressions that in the moment you know when you look at them as a print or you know on screen they're elongated they're permanent in a sense Mm -hmm. that first project definitely set the groundwork for all the work that i would do for photography specifically then i was also talking with my advisor and he's like this would look really good on a grid just like print out big all 12 of them on a large sheet Mm -hmm. and i did that and it was just really really incredible and i took a lot of time to you know deliberate on the order of them and kind of the composition as a whole with which ones had a lot of darks which ones had a lot of lights the kind of depth a lot of them were not necessarily tight framed headshots they had you know some more kind of shoulders and more expression uh, in their posture Mm -hmm. but it was just so exciting for me as uh, someone who I would still consider to be a young artist. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, you know, going through undergrad, my next, the next photo class I did, I wanted to expand upon that. And so I took the field camera, the old Bellows 4x5 field camera into the light studio and did large format photographs of the portraits again. And I had different people. I had new people come in. I had some people that had done it before. And it was that same type of system and environment. And so the second time I did it, I was able to fine tune some things. And I was able to point the the narrative in a certain way as far as this is what I was trying to do. And this is what happened. And there are, there are photos of, you know, melancholia and, and of rest and of contemplation and not jarring in the sense that they would make the viewer kind of go back but jarring the sense of oh wait that's not necessarily a natural expression like 
what was that person thinking about? Like what mm-hmm. garnered that, that response? But it was great because I kind of got to that and then I ran out of track to run on basically because I had done it and I started kind of realizing that I was like, there's only so much more I can take this before it becomes just repetitive and I'm not, I'm not adding to it, which is, you know, something that's important for an, for an artist to realize. So I kind of got this idea my junior year that I had been thinking about and ruminating on for a while, but never had a feasible way to to implement it. And I had done some, you know, more portraits, you know, in the studio. And then I took people out of the studio because I was like, that's not really working anymore. Mm-hmm. It's become a bit stale. And I had this idea for a while because I've been around water my entire life. I was a swimmer. I'm constantly thinking about, you know, I'm walk to class, walk to the pool, always thinking about what I could take photos of, what would, what would be interesting. And I had this idea, you know, why not combine the portraits and the water? And I had no idea really how I would do that. But I remember having that kind of chip in my brain for a while as kind of this genesis for what it would become. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I had my roommate who I was very, very close to all four years be a very willing participant for all the portraits that I took. And he had a sense about him that was very, very at ease in front of the camera and lent itself to the lens in a very predisposed, natural way. And so I was like, hey, can you help me with this? I don't know if it will work, but I want to see if it can. I don't really know what I'm going to expect at first. I have this idea, but it's hard. I just need to do it first. We got into the pool at like 10 o'clock at night. I set up a strobe light off to the side of the pool. I had that flash set up, and then he was in the water, and I was sitting on the diving board looking down at the water, and I just started to take pictures. And I remember that first two and a half hour, two hour shoot, we just kept extending and making it longer. I was getting giddy. I had never realized that this was something that was kind of in my grasp. So that was a start. And then talking with him after it, talking about what he felt, and then looking at the photos, that really set off my my senior thesis. So again, kind of thinking about it from like a technical perspective, then like, was that light then? you know, like kind of like syncing up when you would take a photograph to kind of, you know, illuminate the subject because again, the backgrounds are super dark and kind of mysterious, or is that just simply just having that depth of the pool in there? But again, they're so striking just to kind of see that interaction, you know, and, and again, just the variations of the compositions. I took so many images. I took so many pictures because a lot of it, you know, was the technical aspect that was heavily important to it was how bright, how dark am I making these? I can't make them too dark because I'm just going to lose so many. I'm shooting digital, you know, so, so many, so much information. So I had a, you know, a remote flash set up on a stand and I had, you know, the monitor or the kind of the control, you know, hooked up to my camera. But it was kind of funny because that connection port was broken. The plastic had snapped. So I had to use tape to hold it on. And so it was kind of this this jerry-rigged con- contraption. But as I started to learn more about that process and more about that kind of type of shoot, I, I really did have a strong, a strong idea of what I wanted. I wanted them to be suspended in a very ambiguous state, in a very, very uncertain setting. And so that was tricky because I had to set up the flash in a way where it wouldn't cast down to the bottom and we had to be in the deepest part of the pool. So you couldn't see anything else and the light had to be thrown at a certain way. And so, you know, sometimes, you know, they're underwater, so you can't be directing them while they're underwater. So you have to be very deliberate with how you word things and phrase things when, when you're talking with them face to face about, Oh, Hey, when you do this, you'll float this way and you'll go this way or Hey, when you, you know, breathe out bubbles. So there was all this, you know, you know, logistical strategy that was required with, okay, if I want, you know, water disturbance in this one, you can relax a bit more and, you know, it's okay if you splash, but I want to try to do a series of shots where, you know, the water's still. So just take your time with it. And then when you sink, just sink a little bit more. And it was always kind of funny because it was always a, you know, serious in one aspect, but also very jovial and lighthearted because I was friends with these people. I trusted them very much. They trusted me very much. And so they would always laugh and we'd always laugh if, you know, they go into water and then all of a sudden they just start sinking very, very fast. And then they come up and it's, it's a bit of a riot, but 
yeah, the technical the technical aspect was that was the most precise it had to be for for any work that I had created so far. And I remember thinking I really wanted to do this with film. I really want to do this with a medium format camera, but the technical aspect wasn't there, and I didn't have a a way I could hook up flash, you know, to that type of um apparatus. Mm-hmm. And with the you know ISO that I was at, with the light levels that we were working with, it was completely dark, except for that one strobe. It just wasn't going to be feasible. So that's something that I would love to, to love to revisit. I would imagine that you just have just stacks of photo images that you just have to go through to kind of wean it down to those ones that are going to be working the best. Yes, and a lot of that comes down to you know what what. You know, what are just kind of the best as far as, you know, technical? Okay, is there too much blur? Is it too dark? Is it too overexposed? Are things out of focus? You know, there's that whole, you know, range of things that you have to go through. But then, you know, besides that, for what I was doing, I was looking for, you know, things that revolved around detail, around around sensitivity. And this was such a, a sensitive series because as I kind of talked with my friend, the kind of the first one who participated in it, all these things started popping up in my brain and I started thinking I could view it as a study of the human form, which would be great, which would be fantastic because there's so much beauty in it and with the setting it is, with them being athletes as well, there's a type of you know classical rendition you could say to it. But then I really started thinking about the more thematic elements of it and that changed it completely. I had to kind of go back and look through the first kind of batch that I had taken and really be like, okay, these were ones that I started to feel more of a connection to. I would say almost laden with kind of laden with this idea and this, Mm -hmm. this sense. And it started to become a a series about without singling one particular aspect out. It contained elements of talking about anxiety, talking about, you know, these deeper themes of psychosis and, and humanity and kind of this primal this primal atmosphere that these people were in it was so imbued and so so intricately kind of started to come together where like yes it's talking about you know with my roommate that was a lot of inspiration because he would talk about you know anxiety with you know him growing up and you know say encounters with bullying and you know like that type of interaction at school when he was younger to growing up and just being incredibly, incredibly smart and intelligent. But then because of he had severe uh, ADHD. And so he was always kind of put in a, in a cast at school where he was like, okay, that's person that is, you know, not at the level of intelligence or something. So that was a huge impact in you know him having anxiety. He would talk to me, you know, in college you know, as we, as we got closer, because he was also a teammate on the, on the swim team about, you know, certain aspects of anxiety about, you know, how his brain thinks. He's brilliant. He uh, got his degree in physics and is going to grad school for, for, for a similar avenue in that. But it was really, you know, talking with him and learning about how he kind of experienced those feelings about, you know, being isolated, being alone, feeling, you know, at times like he couldn't breathe. Like there's, there's, a, there's a barrier that, that is there and that is blocking things from happening. And as I kind of interpreted that and and held that information in my brain i i really saw the connection with the work that i was going to do and continue to do and so after that first shoot i I was able to talk to him a bit more about it and talk to other people about the assignment and get people to kind of volunteer and say hey yeah i'll 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 jump in the water in the in the cold pool at night for that because that sounds really interesting and i want to kind of give myself to that Mm -hmm. You know, throughout all the shoots, there everyone. It was so great because everyone interpreted it and everyone took it in their own kind of unique way. And I was able to to balance that so there was a harmony and there was a narrative and there was a flow and really a rhythm to the sequence. I would kind of give them slow instructions of, "Hey, go into a pose or take a position underwater that you feel at rest with, that you feel relaxed." that you can kind of be at equilibrium. And I'd be like, okay, start activating, you know, for technical aspects, start activating your left arm more, bring that, you know, that was got, that kind of got out of the range of the light, bring that in a bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's create more kind of dynamic composition. But then I also go, all right, go into a position of, you know, stress. Like what is it when you're tensed up? 
and you know curl up in a ball and then slowly uh release and like spread out to you know prone basically and so they would take all these little instructions or little kind of guidelines and then they would react to them in their own ways and so that was really really fascinating to to witness and to watch and to grow with and i did that first series which was the majority of the work um that i have from that kind of setting those underwater figures was my junior year and i remember you know thinking okay i'm definitely going to come back to this and you know my season my swim season ended in february late february mm-hmm. and so i was like after that that's when i can devote all my time to this and i had set all my classes up for senior year to be kind of my last semester to be the most the most free in terms of time so i could really devote to to this but then uh i only got i think three or four test shots in because i wanted to incorporate you know more ideas and different type of styles into it before uh, we all got sent home for quarantine right right yeah i mean again i was wondering when that would rear its ugly head there is that really interesting sense of isolation when you see these figures kind of just dramatically floating in this nebulous space you know you just imagine it being expansive obviously there are you know indications reflections of water to kind of let somebody that wouldn't be privy to that you know kind of see that i guess one thing that i'm curious about too are you someone that needs to have that essentially you know photo right out of that lens into the and then it's just that raw kind of image or is that something that's also heavily edited or anything like that i always try to keep my work as close to what i saw as possible Mm -hmm. but that's not to say there aren't these great aspects of you know photo manipulation which just are such a craft within itself and i definitely have done that for sure but for these ones i can't change it too much from what it is because in a sense it it's a it's a documentation i was working in lightroom the adobe suite Mm -hmm. and so you know converting to black and white because it was at times such a heavy series and such a benchmark series in my work i had to just kind of leave them for a week at times Mm mm-hmm And, you know, which is tricky to do when you're dealing with, you know, deadlines and assignments, but I had to, I had to just look at them and just leave them and not even try to go through and select down or edit. But once I was able to, I wanted something that was, you know, visually striking, you know, that this is subjective, of course, you know, to the photo, but the correct highlights versus the correct shadows to make nothing too of a overwhelming dark where if I were to print it, it would just, it would uh, overwhelm the paper. Mm-hmm. But I remember just thinking, this is how I kind of finish these photos. I want it to be, in a sense, what could be manipulated if I were to do it in a dark room. And also, I want to do it in a sense where it still it adds to the photo because you know some photos that it was a little bit too bright, and you were able to see too much of the bottom of the pool. And so I'd be like, all right, this is I'm going to take this liberty with the equipment and the technology that I have and I'm going to you know just bring this down a bit more mm-hmm. to where it's still still the same picture in all its in all its aspects and all its forms but it's being able to be accentuated by these tools that I was really able to implement well and was this something that you were able then to kind of like do like an online like thesis or how did that work out given the circumstances of the past year so on one hand those shoots were were twofold they were they would be incorporating this new style this new this new element into it that i really wanted to work with and see what i could mold with and grow with and on the other hand i wanted to just go back and revisit what i had done because i realized how how important that was and how to me how unique it was kind of in my own progression as as a person as an artist as a photographer so i got a bed sheet and I put that in the water with them and, you know, to see how that interacted because I want to see, okay, what are other kind of narratives that I could take this? What are other systems and shoots that I could go with this where they're wearing very deliberate articles of clothing mm-hmm. or with very deliberate objects that wouldn't normally be in this space? So, you know, things that would be okay getting wet, but also things that you don't want to put in the water like things that were important from their childhood or important to their family or things that they use every day or, you know, things that might have sentimental value. So I had all this, all this lining up and I'm glad I was able to 
get a couple a couple shoots in before I got sent home because that was I found out the news about things going off campus mm-hmm. during my spring break of my senior year. And originally I was only going to shoot after spring break because that was when I was the most free, but I was so impatient that I wanted to get people back in the water to continue this. And I'm glad I, I'm so glad I did because, you know, this is something that at a certain perspective I can put, you know, the brackets on it and hand it in for a series of piece of show or, you know, along that. And on a totally different level, it's something that I, I know I'm not done with yet because I want to get back to it because I feel in a sense I was only scratching the surface. And so there was a lot of lot of really hard coming to terms with after spring break, the fact that I just had this thing that I felt was ripped from me. And I'm sure all artists can relate to having having a work that they're close to somehow be be altered in a sense that there are these factors out of control that you know, it's, it's done and you can't go back to it. And so it was really, really hard after spring break to kind of be excited about photography because I was like, this was, this was what I wanted to do. I had this all set up. This was, this was the plan. And I was writing a lot more about it as well, fleshing out these thoughts and not creating a story, but creating kind of a document of, you know, this is what was photographed. And I remember just having, you know, a conversation with my advisor, Jeff, where he totally, totally acknowledged and like validated that. But then also it's like, you, you have to look at this also as an opportunity to, this is a very special and unique time in your life where you have to photograph something different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how is that going to challenge your work? And so talking with him about it was, was great and really informative. That's something that all the faculty at Ohio Wesleyan really took into took in stride was how much like they felt for for the students and how much they were able to help and yeah so I was able to kind of alter and go on a totally different subject matter for the rest of my work for my senior year but I I was lucky enough to have enough work that I had done how much junior year and I had able to gotten a few more shots right before spring break that I was able to put into this finished set of photographs I'm so glad that, you know, while it's certainly like got to be like one of the biggest challenges, you know, to have something shift so dramatically like that, I'm glad that there was, you know, something that came out of it. And I think that's something that's really important and something that artists are actually really good at, I think, is kind of being able to adapt a little bit and, and change, you know, when things when things arise. And I guess maybe to kind of think about it in terms of, you know, things that came afterwards, what have you been doing since um, you wrapped up that experience? After graduation, I moved back to Monterey. I, you know, was able to, you know, work here actually as a as a lifeguard here on the beaches, which has been great because, you know, you're outside, you're, you know, your your work is centered around water. So, you know, it's always informative for me when I when I, you know, go to work, but this was I think another another turning point. So, growing up in Vermont, that was my early childhood and we had a house back there that because we always thought we'd move back fairly soon, we rented it out. But when we were living in California or, in, or when I was in school in Ohio, that, that house had some damage to it. And so it was, uh, there was actually a fire. We stopped renting it out, but insurance was able to come in and uh, renovate, renovate it and basically make a, a new house out of the, uh, while preserving the old 1850s, you know, barn house frame and all these supports and original beams. So after it was finished, my family went back for a summer without me because I stayed in California and I worked that summer. Yeah, so the majority of my landscape shots go around these core facets of detail and sensitivity. And that great example is with work that is shot in Vermont that I've done. And so the first, yeah, the first winter I was there, it was really tough. But the second time being back, it was still being still and it was still kind of realizing kind of certain difficulties, but I was able to kind of acknowledge it and give myself to the landscape and shoot these really powerful photos. And another bittersweet story, I actually lost all these photos with a hard drive failure. Oh, gosh. <laughs> which, again, I had a a, a very, <laughs> very much of a, a breakdown stress out because these were photos that I just thought were 
just gorgeous and they they meant a lot to you because almost like kind of like the redemption of going back to vermont and being able to kind of capture it and justify it Mm -hmm. but i was able to go back you know the summer after graduation for the summer and that was my first time being back in vermont in the summer since i was eight years old so 14 years and that was incredible because it was incredibly emotional being back there you know early childhood memories coming back and smells you know there's that whole olfactory kind of sensory that kicks in and at that time you know i had just realized that wow i spent the last half of my senior year of college in a room online and my work completely changed from what I wanted it to do. And all this track was, you know, it got off track. But I was able to kind of take that and just pause and slow down. And I was able to see this continuity of, of life and of loss with neither really a positive or negative influence that I was that was really kind of perceiving when I was there in the winter for the first time. And I was really there just kind of as an observer and as a documenter. And it was a deeply, deeply reflective time for me as well because I was able to process everything that happened that spring. But also, I, you know, I just witnessed the end of a four-year, almost like a four-year-long relationship, all college. And so there were these things that I was like, okay, I'm definitely at a turning point. I'm definitely at like a stasis in life where I can, yeah, either either be here in stasis or I can start to kind of think about and move a bit more and that that body of work that i came out with it wasn't necessarily with one goal in mind to have it because i just would take my camera out and i would shoot and i would listen and i would sit and watch but it was really just about forbearance and you know being able to withstand you know the time of tide and of loss and focusing on aspects of isolation and of stillness and just really pausing and slowing down a lot of it started to wrap itself into this this idea that i is really pertinent in my work now i feel like which has to do with time i'm trying to enact this this response from the viewer of wow this was kind of a moment and i get to kind of witness this because it at one point seems permanent it seems like it's suspended on the other hand when like was that you know this is a changing environment that has so much growth and you know with the into the fall with the leaves changing colors into the winter when everything dies and then there's this rebirth in the spring and so with that i started you know think about breath a lot too and i had this one little body of work called suspirations that i just titled kind of almost on a whim but then i really thought about it and i was like each each breath was a photograph that i took for that and kind of focus on feeling the rise and the fall of the chest you know each each breath giving itself to the next each photograph kind of giving itself to the next where i was able to just put myself in these shoes of a person that was really able to be really really thankful for you know things that had had occurred and really really appreciative of you know all these lessons i had learned so i was able to come up with these photographs that for me were really emotional for showing you know members of my family because I shot around the village that I, I had grown up that was emotional because I was observing them I was observing the the scenery around me in a new way and as far as kind of a positive you were kind of mentioning briefly out of this kind of past year that was definitely one of them because I was always 100% all into social events and the friends very much an extrovert and in that kind of I was able to to go there for three weeks mm-hmm. i only shot i think the last five days i was there i shot maybe maybe the first i don't know couple days i was there but then i just got busy with things and you get occupied with you know being outside of the lake or making food and like dinners as that was a big kind of family event but it was really like the last five days i was there i shot multiple times a day every day and that was when I was just trying to get everything out and at the same time receive everything that was around me as well. So that, I think, kind of set another type of platform or benchmark where I kind of wanted to springboard off of. And so now with my photography, it centers around a lot of landscape right now. And I'm not, I'm not pursuing portraits right now, just in a, in a sense of I still want, I still want that to kind of settle and, and be able to kind of observe that from afar and go back to it and then you know, in a bit, I will be able to 
to continue that. So it's really great right now because I'm focusing on landscape photography and a lot on, I guess you could say what's influenced by half, you know, the straight photography of the early 20th century with, you know, Edward Weston or, you know, Adams, not to say I'm any, any modicum <laughs> of a degree close to that, that quality, but that type of kind of straight photography where it is what it is. But also, you know, you can you can take that and you can take what that was in opposition to, you know, pictorialism, where, you know, it can mirror a type of surrealism. And I don't really go too far into that, but these are kind of things that will inform inform the work. Absolutely. And uh, I'll I'll go on, you know, day trips or if I can, you know, get the, the timing right, go on like a weekend like road trip or something to these locations that are just fascinating to me and be able to photograph and slow down and listen observe and and wait and really see kind of a uh synthesis with all the work yeah and obviously we were talking about this before the podcast but you know you are you know kind of posting your your shoots essentially to your website so that's again um the ian show dot wordpress.com so i mean again that's something that's a continual project i'm i'm assuming is there anything on the horizon for you i i've waited a bit just to you know rest and collect my thoughts but the 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 senior thesis show is still up i i believe i put a link on the kind of website blog that i have but i'm currently actually applying for a number of artist uh residencies and looking you know for those specific so i don't actually have a exhibition that i'm gearing up for but mm -hmm. i'm preparing work for you know shows and for galleries as well i'm talking with people so yeah yeah absolutely and I guess just remind everybody, even though I guess I just did, um, <laughs> where the best place to see your photos and, and to follow along. I'll post, you know, some work on my Instagram, but I'll post more kind of complete or more kind of resolved series on my website. Yeah, the website, I would say, would be your, your best bet for um, seeing some of the work that I'm currently currently doing. All right. Well, again, um, really appreciate the conversation today. It's been really fascinating to hear you talk all about your work and even the, especially the circumstances of the past, you know, year and how all those things were affected. But thanks so much for applying to the competition. It's been great to talk to you all about your work. Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute blast and glad I could contribute. Thanks once again to Ian for joining me. Check out his work on his website, theianshow.wordpress.com, and be sure to follow on Instagram at thechampion. That's the C-H-A-M-P-I-A-I-N. I do want to note that our 2021 student competition is coming to a close May 15th. It's open to all currently enrolled and recently graduated in 2020 graduate and undergraduate visual art students. Again, it's open to all visual art media, including 2D, 3D, 4D, so definitely check that out. You can go to studiobreak.com, look for the student competition page, and it's super easy. You submit a small fee, you send an email with your website portfolio and or Instagram handle, identify which category you're in, and you are done. Our juror this year is the director and curator at James May Gallery, Kendra Balgren. We're super excited to have her participation, and she'll be selecting five undergraduate and five graduate visual artists to appear on an upcoming episode. If you enjoy this podcast, I do have a special request. If you could go to social media, again, that could be Instagram or Facebook or Twitter, wherever you go, and share that recent post of our student competition image that has all the information. And of course, if you know any other peers or artists or students that should apply to this competition, please help share this opportunity. The student competition is definitely a highlight of the year for me. I always enjoy sharing the work of young artists, emerging artists, giving them a platform to share their work and talk all about it. So once again, please help spread the word. Deadline for entries is May 15th. We've had some great archived episodes on citybreak.com, so definitely go there to check it out. All of our posts have images of the artist's artwork and links to their websites. And since we're at 257, there's plenty of episodes to check out and lots of thoughts to fill your studio. So great studio companion. Check it out, studiobreak.com. It's always awesome when somebody gives us a shout-out if they enjoy an episode, so be sure to do so. Once again, find us on Facebook and like our page there. You can find us on Twitter at Studio Break and, of course, on Instagram. Follow at Studio underscore Break. Today's music is by Golden Shadow, which features myself, Ben Cohan, and Brett Beery. You can check out Ben's work, his paintings, at mbencohanstudio on Instagram. And, of course, follow Brett Beery at 
Brett Beery on Instagram. He's got a Bandcamp album there linked up in his bio. If you want to see some of my work, you can check out davidlinaway.com. There's some new paintings up there. And follow me on Instagram, Twitter, at davidlinaway. I do have a three-person exhibition up right now at the McLean County Art Center called Pathways with Megan Hines and Nicole Roller. So super excited to be part of that. We recently did a podcast to talk all about our work. That's episode 255. So if you want to check that out and you missed it, definitely worth a listen. And that's a wrap. Again, thank you so much for listening. I hope that your studios are super productive. I hope you're staying safe out there. We'll talk to you real soon.